The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball and hockey playoffs, offering players a free shot at $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is that it's free to play. DraftKings free play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and search the whole wide variety of free contests and an opportunity to win cash prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball and hockey playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network, Monday, May 31st. It's Ian Cameron and Alex B. Smith with you on this Memorial Day edition of the Ice Guys show. A happy Memorial Day to everyone in the United States, south of the border from where I am. I hope you enjoy the holiday, take part in all the usual festivities of Memorial Day. A little barbecue, a little burger and hot dog on the barbecue, a little fireworks display. Hopefully it's a lot more closer to normal than say last year Memorial Day uh, at this time to be able to experience it with family and friends. And as I've said already today, while we enjoy Memorial Day in the United States and the holiday, being with people close to you, celebrating, having a few pops as well, that's obviously part of Memorial Day as well. Want to remember those that have paid the price, made the ultimate sacrifice for us to be here today, to be able to rant and rave like a lunatic as I did yesterday about hockey uh, and things like that. Uh, and it's those. Uh, you know, any public servant, you know, it's EM. It's not just uh, obviously soldiers, Army, Navy, Air Force, you know, the troops, what they do for us uh, on a daily basis to fight for our freedom. But it's also the public servant workers. It's EMTs. It's police. You know, it's medical professionals, doctors, nurses, the healthcare. We We have certainly become well more uh, definitely appreciative of the healthcare sector uh, over the past year because of the pandemic. But it's really everybody that we uh, need to acknowledge on a day like this for helping us to live the lives that we're able to on a daily basis. So happy Memorial Day to everyone in the States. And with that, let's bring in Alex B. Smith, who is back with us on this Monday. We've missed him over the weekend. Alex, welcome back. How are you on this uh, Memorial Day? Doing good. And yeah, you make a great point. Like, you know, obviously a salute to all the troops, the dedicated men and women who fought, you know, for, for both of these countries, the U.S. and Canada, uh, and, and, you know, served their time. But especially, like I said, you know, think of where we were last year. Uh, you know, things are starting to get better now because of uh, those healthcare workers. And, you know, I grew up in a healthcare family, doctor and nurses, parents, and, you know, I've always around you know, policemen and firefighters, uh, EMTs and sorts. So, you know, everybody who's, who's done a service to help the greater good, uh, kudos to them. And, uh, you know, we're thinking of all of them today on this Memorial Day. But, yeah, you know, here we are in the second round of the playoffs for, for everybody except the, the North Division. Of course, that will be decided tonight in the Game 7 between Toronto and Montreal. But uh, some interesting stuff to, you know, take apart uh, from these games. And especially now, everybody's kind of buzzing about uh, the suspensions, of course, Nazem Kadri suspension upheld. And now we're waiting to see what happens with Ryan Reeves after uh, that ugly incident last night in the blowout win for Colorado. Uh, no doubt. And speaking of that, we'll get into Sunday's recap before we turn to tonight's games. The first game was Tampa Bay and Carolina. I was certainly looking forward to that series. I think it's going to be a great, tight, competitive, hard-fought series. Not much to choose from. 
in my opinion, between the lightning and the hurricanes. And I think we really saw evidence of that yesterday. You know, if you're the Carolina Hurricanes and you walk away from that game with the uh, obviously the tough loss uh, in that game, uh, two to one, you look at it, though, and you say, boy, we played well enough to win. Uh, There's no question about that. Uh, We are, are a team that ended up, you know, in terms of five on five expected goal situations. They were better than Tampa. They had the better margin. Uh, If you include the overall and the power play as well, same thing. Carolina had the expected goals margin edge in that game. It just did not translate to a winning result uh, on the scoreboard. Uh, That first period, you know, if not for Andre Basilevsky being just an absolute uh, tower of power in net, it could have been a different game. Uh, Carolina came out with the right kind of start. Uh, You know, the uh, PNC Arena crowd was amazing. Uh, Sunday as well. They, they say what you will about whether they fill the seats in the regular season, and you always worry about do, 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 are they a little bit of a bandwagon, you know, fan base maybe. But boy, when they get to the playoffs in Carolina and they have a home game in the postseason, that building gets loud, uh, and we saw that uh, yesterday, and we've seen that throughout the uh, playoffs. And look, I think it's a situation here where um, the Carolina Hurricanes can't be deterred; they can't be upset with the way things have gone. I am a little bit concerned to hear Rod Brindamore, though, say after the game that Nino Niederreiter is going to miss this series uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes. He got injured in practice on Saturday, and that is going to be a significant loss for the Hurricanes. They do have certainly more than enough talent up front with uh, Stahl and uh, Trocek and Svechnikov and Aho and Taravainen uh, and uh, Marty Natchez, uh, the way he's played here in the playoffs. They've got more than enough but you're still going to miss Nita Ryder. You know, it's Tampa Bay doing what they've done a lot this season, where kind of like the Florida series, the way it started as well, they're, they're, the statistics point to a Tampa team that should be losing or should be, you know, maybe not having the success they're having, but they're finding ways. You know, there are some games that the flow of play is going against them. There are some games where the opponent is dictating the play, but guess what? They're winning. It's all that matters. That's all that matters at the Stanley Cup playoffs. You find ways to win the hockey game. And right now the Tampa Bay Lightning are doing that with their guile, with their experience, with an incredible shot block in the final seconds of that game in game one by Victor Hedman. I think that could have been a tying goal for Carolina if he doesn't block that shot. Uh, You know, McDonough has been excellent. They didn't even have David Savard. You know, they got him from Columbus, the Lightning at the deadline. He didn't play in game one due to injury, and they still overcome that and get the win. Uh, So there's lots to like for Tampa Bay. You didn't even play your best and you won, but there's things to like for Carolina. You know, you did not, you you played well enough to win. You didn't get the result, but you stick to that kind of game again, the rest of this series, you'll take your chance that you're going to get your share of wins uh, in this series. And I'm going to follow through on what I said yesterday, that if Tampa Bay wins game one, which I thought they might, I'm going to take Carolina plus 225 now. Uh, adjusted series price on the Hurricanes. And that's exactly what I'm going to do right now. I don't think this series is over, not by a long shot. And if you're Carolina, played well enough to win, just stick to it and uh, in game two and beyond, and you're still going to have a shot in this series. But yeah, Basilevsky, outstanding. And the scary thing for the opponents against Tampa is Basilevsky's getting better, it seems, with every game. He got strong toward the end of the Florida series, and he carried it over into game one on Sunday. Uh, Alex, what do you think here with uh, game one yesterday, Lightning and Kids? Yeah, I thought Carolina was going to win that game, but I went on and jumped on the series price already at plus 120. They, obviously, now you're getting a, a better price there with that 225. Uh, like I said, you know, it was a, a close game for the most part, but, uh, you know, Tampa Bay is showing that determination and that killer instinct. Uh, you know, obviously, as a defending Stanley Cup champion and a team that's familiar with being in so many playoff series year after year, uh, they were able to grit out and, and get that important win. But like I said, I think the series is far from over. Uh, for those of you, if you haven't grabbed Carolina, I would say jump on it uh, now at an even better price because, uh, like, it's, like you said, the crowds, you know, this is going to be a big advantage for whoever wins uh, in this round and moves forward because they these are, you know, teams that have been playing in front of crazy crowds for two rounds now. Uh, let's say if, they, if they draw the North Division uh, team in the, in the next round, you know, the, we're talking about you know a group that hasn't played in front of many crowds, if at all. Uh, so though that's something we have to look at moving down down the stretch. But this is going to be a great series. I think Carolina still has a, a more than a fighting chance in this one, uh, and this one definitely going to go probably I think six, maybe even seven games. Yeah, I mean, uh, some people in our chat saying this is uh, Tampa Bay going to win this series. Absolutely, they can, and and it wouldn't surprise me one bit. But now I'm going to get a very good 
price with this Carolina team at plus 220. They can go and win in Tampa. I don't worry about one bit about whether Carolina can win a game or two in Tampa. I think they can. They've been solid on the road this season. Remember, they closed out Nashville on the road uh, in game six. And I know they lost the first two in Nashville, but they played well enough to win both of those games. They were more, they had 60 shots in one game uh, against Nashville uh, and uh, didn't win, but uh, they can win on the road. Uh, this is going to be a close, long series still, and I don't think Carolina's out of it yet. Obviously, you got to respect what Tampa Bay's done, and not a surprise either. Look, the, the the tide was really on Carolina's favor, in Carolina's favor early. They were taking the play to Tampa, and guess who ended up getting Tampa the first goal and got them going? Braden Point. Are we really that surprised? He is just a magnificent hockey player. And he continues to get better. And he's just a big game player. He shows up at playoff time. There are a couple of Leafs that could learn a few things from Braden Point. We'll get to that uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, but next game on Sunday was Vegas and Colorado. And look, the one thing that I'm disappointed in myself with over this game is I didn't load up more uh, on Colorado. I mean, I had them in regulation. I had the team total over three and a half. I had the full game over five and a half. I could kind of sense that this was going to be a very tough spot for Vegas. Seven hard-fought, intense games with the Minnesota Wild. 48-hour turnaround. Playing Sunday night after that Friday night game seven closeout. And in the thin air, high altitude of Denver, making it even more difficult. And also the fourth straight game for Vegas with travel, you know, between games. You know, after game four in Minnesota, it was back to Vegas for game five to Minnesota for game six, back to Vegas for game seven, and then to Denver for game one last night against the Avalanche. And you could tell they were they, they had no burst in their skating stride last night from the opening puck drop. And Alex, as you well know, if you don't have skate a burst in your skating stride and you're playing this rested, fast Colorado team, you're in big time trouble. You're not going to win any puck battles against this team if you don't have your speed game locked in and Vegas had didn't have it last night in terms of their speed they were tired they were gassed they had nothing in the tank Colorado took it to them early and then the icing on the cake in terms of making it a brutal spot for Vegas was the shocking and somewhat you know obviously it didn't pan out he rolled the dice and he crapped out Peter DeBoer putting Robin Leonard uh, in net giving Marc-Andre Fleury a rest but I kind of get a sense for DeBoer that it's almost like hey you know what We'll take the loss in game one. It's almost like before the game, maybe we'll take a loss tonight. We'll put Leonard in there. We'll rest Marc-Andre Fleury in his late 30s, give him a little bit of a, a chance to catch his breath after really having to face a lot of shots, play a lot of hockey in that Minnesota series. And look, the I don't know what resulted in that decision. I think that was a big part of it. But nevertheless, uh, he made that decision to go with Leonard, and it didn't work out. Colorado got to him early. But it was not just Leonard. You can't hang the whole thing on Leonard. I mean, the defense was terrible in front of him. There was just nothing in the tank, nothing in the collective Golden Knights gas tank in that game last night. It was domination by Colorado. Man, is this fun team, this team fun to watch. I couldn't post on Facebook, Twitter enough about just how fun and exciting this Colorado team is. The speed, the puck movement, the defense. One through six, their blue line can pinch at the offensive blue line and get back in position and transition because they're that fast. The goal that Nathan McKinnon scored, unbelievable. Uh, the sixth goal to make it six to one. He left Nicholas Haig in his dust. You know, that's basically like a, a, a an Indy car driving a, against a little, uh, you know, a little bus, school bus. That's essentially what I think it was the difference. And Nathan McKinnon was the uh, Ferrari, was the, uh, the Indy car. And Nick Haig was the little bus that couldn't keep up. Uh, and that's exactly what it was uh, on that Nathan McKinnon goal. Unbelievable. How he could get, accelerate to top speed that quickly, Nathan McKinnon, it's scary. Like I said on Twitter, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's a rocket ship. No, it's Nathan McKinnon uh, for the Colorado <laughs> Avalanche. Uh, a highlight reel goal. Uh, and just like I said, dominance from Colorado. Unfortunately, the game did get marred a little bit by an incident that took place. Look, the hit on Matthias Janmark, let's go there first. Number one, I've seen much dirtier hits than that, much dirtier hits than that. That hit was, okay, it was a little bit late, just a little bit late. I can understand Vegas being irked by that, no question about that. The, the principal point of contact was not to the head or the neck. It was just a little below that, and I understand the score at the time. If you're Vegas, you're a little bit pissed off because why are you, why are you putting that hit on our guy when you got this big lead? in the game isn't it enough you're kicking our ass you're kicking our tail right now do you really have to go out of your way if you're ryan graves there to hit matthias yanmark 
you know, away from the puck late, a little bit late. So I understand that idea that they're a little bit irked by that. But if they're irked Vegas by that hit because they think it was dirty, that I disagree with. That was not a dirty hit. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what Pete DeBoer says. I don't care what the Golden Knight fan says. And the Golden Knight fan is going to say it's a dirty hit because he's sticking up for his guy, Matthias Yanmark. And it's unfortunate. The result of the hit was unfortunate. No question. It's You hate to see Yanmark leave the game like that and, and maybe have concussion symptoms and all that. Uh, that's, disapp- that's upsetting. You don't want to see anyone get hurt. But I've seen a lot worse and much dirtier hits than that. But you knew Ryan Gray, and I could tell right away after that hit, Yanmark's off the ice, the Hockey Night in Canada feed, they zoom in on Ryan Reeves on the bench. You could tell this was like a pit bull that was just, you know, with the with the growl face. <laughs> you could see that right there on the, and you knew this guy was going to do something, probably to Ryan Graves. And, and sure enough, third period rolls around. He clubs Grubauer a little bit behind the mask. And then there's Ryan Graves uh, getting, uh, you know, basically attacked a little bit by Reeves. What made it bad was Reeves falls to the ice. He actually loses his helmet. His helmet pops off on the way down to the ice. And there's Reeves. He's got his knee down on the guy's head, uh, essentially. And, you know, just holding it there and really trying to push his face into the ice without a helmet on, I might add as well. Um, Very, very vicious. Very, very, it was a little bit over the line, in my opinion, what Ryan Reeves did there. Uh, uh, That's, uh, and I think Alex had a Twitter comment that I saw Shit you can't do in the UFC, uh, let alone a hockey rink. Uh, and to me, Ryan Reeves, that was a little over the line, much over the line. I mean, that could have been something really, really dangerous. Guy loses his helmet, and you're basically got his the knee on his head. You know, I think we were, saw a certain incident involving George Floyd last year. And I'm not going to compare the two, uh, but more, man, there are similarities, believe it or not, with that and what we saw last night. With Ryan Reeves, it was just over the line, not necessary to go that far. That could have been something that could have been a dangerous, dangerous situation for Ryan Graves. Uh, and Ryan Reeves now is having a hearing because of this. So that incident happens. I think Ryan Reeves, for the most part, has stayed out of ma- major trouble, you know, in terms of suspensions and fines and incidents. But he definitely pushes the envelope and he definitely goes to the edge of the line and once in a while will cross it. He and I have. I've seen him do it before. So then this morning to hear Peter DeBoer pulling a Fleetwood Mac, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies, talking about Ryan Reeves as one of the cleanest players he's ever seen. I mean, you must be kidding me. One of the cleanest players I've ever dealt with as a head coach is Ryan Reeves. Look, there are much dirtier players than Ryan Reeves, but you're going to label Ryan Reeves as one of the cleanest players you've ever dealt with? Yeah, Pete, and I've scored 50 goals in the National Hockey League. Why don't we just give everybody a free pass to say shit that makes no damn sense and is a bunch of garbage, all right? Why don't we just give everybody a free pass to say nonsense and lies and, and not stick to facts? Come on, Pete. Clean One of the cleanest players you've ever dealt with in the National Hockey League? I mean, <laughs> unbelievable comment. I mean, what do you think we are, stupid? I mean, gosh, I mean... Anyway, don't get me going on another rant here, but I couldn't believe it when I heard it, that he actually used one of the cleanest players I've ever had as one of my uh, players, as a head coach. I couldn't believe it when I heard talking about Ryan Reeves that way. Uh, But nevertheless, Ryan Reeves is going to have a hearing today. We'll see how that pans out. And for Vegas, it's back to the drawing board. And look, we're going to wait until game two happens to judge if we have a series here. Because look, Vegas is going to be better. They are still a very good hockey team. They're gonna they have pride. They're gonna be a lot better in game two. This the bad situation is now behind them. They're gonna have Marc-Andre Fleury back in net. It'll be a much tougher test for Colorado in game two. That being said, I still I picked Colorado to win the series before it started. I even took the minus one and a half games at even money. And I just think they're gonna end up finding a way in six games or less. Uh, to move past the Vegas Golden Knights. Alex, uh, what do you, what's your thoughts on Vegas-Colorado game one last so, night? The two takeaways from the game is, one, I mean, Colorado's playing on a completely different level than everybody else right now. Their offense is rolling. They're getting some good goaltending. Uh, they're playing complete hockey right now. And and the, this, you know, looks like a, a unstoppable team, even against the Vegas team that, yes, they had the one day off uh, between game seven and game one. And, and we know the talent that they have, but, it was all Colorado 
Uh, except Vegas got off to a slow start, which is to be expected, like the coming off of that grueling series. But you know, and I, you know, it's funny the the Vegas fans, you know, they <laughs> they're just so spoiled with you know how good this team has been since day one. And the fact that, you know, all last night they're bitching about, well, we had the one day off. We should have had two days off. Then now they're talking about with the hit, uh, you know, with, with Reeves, which, okay, first of all, like I said, the Graves hit wasn't a dirty hit at all. Maybe you could have called boarding on it. But, you know, like I said, it, well, he wasn't, it wasn't a malicious intent. It was just, you know, a, a timed hit and a big hit. Uh, and if Reeves was, you know, upset about it, then you know what he should have done when he took the ice again and Graves was there? He should have dropped his fucking gloves and fought him. Instead, no, you wait until the, the game's way all out of proportion and you find him on the ground. Like I said, he basically puts his knee on his on his fucking neck. It's just it was absurd. And then you had uh, at the same time you had Nick Haig and Barakowski look like they were just squaring up one on one. Both of them kept their gloves on. They were just basically slapping each other. And I, I tweeted out like, what the fuck are these guys doing right now? Like you guys like you're already going to get penalties, right? You're going to get two or four minutes. What's the extra five minutes right now to just drop the gloves and fight? It's just unbelievable. And then the, the league wonders why they got to hand out all these fines and suspensions. And, and this is why, because they've created this, you've created a, a atmosphere of where, you know, players, you know, take liberties in and give out these dirty hits, these dirty plays. And then they don't, you know, have to pay for it on the ice. They just got to pay for it out of pocket. Like these guys aren't making, you know, a, a shit ton of money to begin with. So it's just really annoying to see that, you know, I know in the playoffs, yeah, you don't see fights happen that often, but no, that was a time to fight. If you felt that you're, especially with your team down like that, if you felt Graves' hit was dirty, then Ryan Reeves should have got out there and challenged him to a fight, and, and then you end it. And then that's it. You don't have any any scrums later on. And, and I'm sure other people noticed that, you know, Philip Grubauer actually chopped uh, Reeves in the back of the leg, too, in that, that incident. Like I said, just a lot of dirtiness. Uh, and none of it was handled on the ice. They're just waiting for, you know, the league office to, you know, make a call and, and hand down a suspension. You know, it's like two brothers fighting and slapping each other and waiting for their parents uh, to sort it out. It's just ridiculous. So I hate to see that. Uh, you know, and sadly, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. But as far as on the ice, uh, this is Colorado series to lose. I think they end up winning game two, probably end up dropping game three in Vegas. Uh, and then they'll take take care of business from there. I didn't j- jump on a series play, so I'm just going to be kind of going by this game by game. So not sure what I'm going to do for game two, but I'm looking to circle Vegas game three when they get back home. Yeah, definitely. Uh, great, great. Uh... Uh, an insight there and uh, great opinions on that. Uh, yeah, that was Burakovsky. I think that was Nick Haig. I believe he was uh, tussling with there. Uh, yeah, look, that's, a bad, that's a bad matchup for Burakovsky. I could understand why he's a little bit trepidatious and hesitant to drop the gloves, but still, I mean, they're just, and the referees got to get in there right away. Then if, if they said, you got to have that sixth sense that look, this is Burakovsky. You really think he's going to want to get in a fight with this big guy. That's the towering over him. Get in there and, you know, break it up right away. So we don't have to watch this. Well, it is kind of shameful and embarrassing to see just two guys pawing at each other. there like that. You know, it's exactly it. Just, you know, for 30 seconds before one of the linesmen finally decided to screw in, get a clue right. and get in yeah. there and break it up. It was kind of silly to see all that. You're right. Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely a, a situation that, um, and, and for Ryan Reeves, he's probably going to get something. You got to believe it. I mean, he got a five minute attempt to injure match penalty uh, last night. That yeah. definitely looks like that think, is an automatic. I think that automatically comes with a, a suspension. Yeah. Yeah. A match, I think the match penalty comes with a fine and suspension of at least of minimum one game. So, uh, like I said, now his track record isn't as dirty as some other guys, so maybe it won't be he's you know, misses the whole series or anything like that. But uh, like I said, with all the incidents that have gone on in the last two months in the league, it's going to have to be uh, at least more than two or three games. No doubt. Uh, absolutely. So uh, Tampa uh, down up one nothing, Colorado up one nothing in those two series. Uh, let's go to Monday night, and we're going to save the best for last, Vanessa Williams style, on today's show. We're going to end the show with Montreal-Toronto Game 7. We're going to start with Boston, Boston Bruins hosting the New York Islanders Game 2 uh, of the East Division Final second-round series. Uh, Boston minus 195, even minus 200 now. Uh, in some spots, uh, the total five shaded to the over. And there's been Bruins money rolling in, even though we just heard about a couple hours ago, Craig Smith on the second line for the Bruins will not play tonight uh, due to injury. Um, you know, and it's it does alter the chemistry a little bit because there has been a good chemistry developing with that second line, Hall, uh, Krejci, and uh, Smith. Uh, no question about that. Uh, and it's been good to see that line just play the way they have for the Bruins. The way I see it, Alex, um, the New York Islanders have to convince me 
that they won the Pittsburgh series for any other reason but the fact Tristan Jari urinated all over himself uh, in that series. And right now, the New York Islanders still, uh, to me, have to prove that. They have to prove to me that they can beat a team in terms of really getting after them and taking the play to them, five-on-five, even strength, and draw penalties. Because to me, let's be honest, they beat Pittsburgh, but there there was an extended amount of time in that series where Pittsburgh was taking it to the Islanders. And unfortunately, every time the Islanders went down the ice, boom, the puck went in the net because the goaltending was a sieve. You know, and the Islanders don't have that luxury anymore uh, in this series here against the uh, Boston Bruins because, look, Boston is a sturdy, sound, tight defensive team. They're as healthy as they've been all season on the blue line. That has made the difference as well. McAvoy's been excellent. Brandon Carlo has been terrific defensively. You talk about stick position, body position, being in the right place, um, blocking shots. Uh, Brandon Carlo's done that throughout these playoffs for the Bruins. They're now getting that secondary score. They're at least getting a second line. You know, can they get something from Coyle to Brusque? Those are the guys that are the that are the, you know, the uh, Russian roulette guys, if you will, on this Boston team up front. You know, it's that you know you don't always get it from Coyle and from DeBrusque every game. If they could ever get those two guys specifically contributing and cashing in offensively it's going to make this team even more dangerous the islanders got outplayed outchanced the shine is finally off Ilya sorokin a little bit you know he's had a great playoffs for the new york islanders overall but that was his worst game and maybe it's a product of just boston making life tough getting traffic throwing as many pucks to the net as possible which i think has also been part of the mo as well uh, for the uh, bruins in this series just throw as many pucks and bodies to the net as you can And now Barry Trotz, there's whispers. We don't know yet who's in net tonight for the Islanders, but there's whispers he might shake it up and go back to the veteran Semyon Varlamov, who, let's be honest, he was banged up a little bit down the stretch. And when he played in the Pittsburgh series, he was average. He was not all that uh, great and all that reliable. It's exactly why, you know, Barry Trotz went to Ilya Sorokin for the rest of that series after game two, because he didn't like the, the game that night in net from Varlamov. So, you know, it's a risk either way. I would honestly stick to Sorokin one more game. I mean, you talk about, we've talked about this a lot, that there's some, Mike Sullivan is the one exception with the leash on Jari, which was ridiculous. But every other uh, coach, it seems, has a very short leash on their goalie. Uh, and Sorokin, what, one loss? One of the few bad games he's had here in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we're considering a goalie change already? I'm not sure I'm down with that if I'm Barry Trotz. So we'll see where he goes here. I cashed a ticket with the over in game one, and I'm coming back to it here in game two. It's five. It's minus 125. It's a good price. I think this Islander team defensively, you know, is going to have some more trouble with Boston because now they're getting second and third line support. We know what they're going to get from Marshawn, Bergeron, and Pasternak uh, on that top line. They're going to deliver. It's what are you going to get from the second and third line? They're getting offense right now. On the flip side, I think the Islanders, the onus is on them uh, to try to get out in front early, uh, get a quick start. I do kind of lean to the Islanders in the first period. I think if I bet the Islanders, that's the way I'm betting it, is a first period bet. I'd expect their best early. Uh, The first period is plus 160 on the Islanders. I think I will have a play on that. I don't trust them to win the game, though because I really truly feel Boston was a lot better than the New York Islanders in game one. They're playing excellent hockey right now. They're feeding off this now near full capacity crowd at TD garden. Don't forget about that little element to this game that now the Bruins have pretty much a full house supporting them of uh, of fans now for the, uh, for their home playoff games. And that's significant. So I think you're going to get a strong start from the Islanders in this game. So I do like that first period look, plus 160, but I'm going to just stick to that. Uh, I'm not going to go full game here uh, on the Islanders. I do like the over, though, five as well for the full game. Cash the over in game one. And I think as long as they're going to keep giving out a five for totals in this series, I think that's where the value is going to be. And look, we said it all season, Alex. Totals of five, regular season and so far here in the playoffs, they've been going over more than they've been going under. So uh, I like the over here, and as well, a smaller bet on the Islanders, plus 160 in the first period. Uh, Alex, what do you think here? Game two, Islanders-Bruins. 
Yeah, I mean, this was a, a fairly close battle in the first 40 minutes of, of play. Like you said, you know, uh, we know the secondary scoring that you're getting from uh, Boston has been superb thus far. But you also got to look at, you know, the on the Islanders, you know, their goal distribution is pretty much coming from their second line, not their first. You got 10 goals and 10 assists uh, from their second line as Bavillier, Nelson, and Bailey. But uh, Komarov, Barzal, and Everly, just two goals uh, so far. And they had, you know, only three shots on goal uh, during the first half of that game. So they've got to step it up uh, the same way where, you know, Boston's got to keep producing with the second line uh, players. And, you know, like I said, the over makes sense at five. Uh, if we see this one go over, I think the fives will be gone. We'll be seeing five and a half uh, more than likely game three and, and down the stretch. And obviously that depends on, you know, who we see in net for the Islanders as well. Uh, I agree with you. Sorokin should get the start. And then if he falters here, you go to, to, to Varlamov. You don't want to rattle a young goalie just by just yanking him out of, you know, having one bad game. You want to instill some confidence in him. And I think giving him another start would be a good idea. But I like the Islanders here to, to you know, get this win. I think this is a ridiculous price, to be honest. Plus 170, 175. That's awfully high, especially when these two teams always play each other tight. Uh, I wouldn't talk anybody out of, you know, going against playing the draw here either, plus 315. We've seen a lot of uh, close games between these two clubs. I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, a 4-3 Islanders win uh, in overtime. So I like the Islanders. I got it. I actually got it at plus 165, and then it kept moving up. So you get 170, 175 if you shop around. Uh, I think it's a good price. They'll be able to even this series up. All right, there you go. So Alex likes Islanders full game. I'm I'm only on the first period, but I, I do, I've seen this movie before with the Islanders. Like They, they definitely were the second-best team in game one. But there's been a lot of times that, hey, they've been counted out after one game and look out, they roar back the next game. And I like the way, like you said, Beauvillier, Eberly, Nelson, yeah, they played. Bailey has stepped up a little bit too. We're waiting on Matt Barzell, though. It's they, they got through Pittsburgh because of shitty goaltending from Jari without Matt Barzell doing anything. He's got to do something in this series. You're not beating Boston if he's as silent and he's as non-existent and as unproductive in this series, as he was against Pittsburgh, he is your guy. He is your best in terms of skill player. He is your be- the best guy you got offensively. He has got to do a whole lot more for the New York Islanders. Matthew Barzell, the onus is on him tonight and for the rest of this series to get his game in gear because it isn't at this point in time. Uh, speaking of a team that doesn't have their game in gear right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm absolutely, uh, I can't even say I'm shocked anymore that we're in this spot with this team again uh, in a game seven. Uh, that's just what they do. There's, that's a, it's been a loser's mentality since 1967 with this franchise, and it's just kept on going this year. You have two cracks to get this series over with, and what do you do in the first period of game five? Fall behind. What do you do in the first period of game six? Well, you don't fall behind, but you damn well should have. Because Jack Campbell had to stand on his head to keep that game 0-0. Unprepared, un- no killer instinct, timid. This is a timid hockey team. Didn't come out to put their foot on the throat of Montreal at the beginning of either of the last two games. And now here they are in a game seven as minus 195, minus 200 uh, home favorites. Uh, the total, five and a half shaded to the under, although there's now fives popping up, bet online and some other books. So heavy under money here uh, in this game. Uh, with the uh, Habs and the Leafs, and hard to argue with that. I'll say that right now. Um, you know, it's it, it's been it's really it devolved into a low-scoring, tight-checking series with excellent goaltending on both sides from Jack Campbell and Carey Price. There's not a lot of room to move right now uh, on the ice. Will that change here in Game Seven? Will things loosen up? Perhaps, but I'm not willing to bet on it. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, I think it's going to be probably another close, competitive hockey game. And for the Leafs, this is where it's gut check time. You know, you're supposed to be a team that's going to make this run, that is equipped to finally win a playoff series and make a deep run. Uh, and now this is your opportunity to change the narrative. You know, things are looking dire right now. There is no way you could say that the pressure is anywhere but on the Leafs tonight. It is. Simple as that. If you think the pressure is on the team that just won two straight in this series, you need your head examined. It's not. It's on the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is a team that has not won a playoff series in 17 years, not won a cup in 54 years. They have not done anything, this team. This franchise has done nothing for basically two decades now, at least, in terms of at least any playoff success. Matt Sundin and Joe Newendike and Gary Roberts were playing for the Leafs, and Matt and Pat Quinn, who's not even alive on this planet anymore, 
was the coach of the team. That's the last time they won a playoff series. That's what we're talking about here. That's the level of futility we're talking about with this Toronto Maple Leafs team. Uh, and now it's up to them to pick their asses up off the mat, whatever they got to do to get prepared for this game. I don't want to hear Mitch Marner, if they lose tonight, say we weren't prepared to play. Because if you're not prepared to play, you're, you're never as a group going to ever do anything in terms of winning anything significant. And it, it, preparing to play is not just a mentality. You got to follow it with action on the ice. It would be nice, and I'm sure it'd be comforting for the Leaf fan to see the Leafs actually control the game in the first period for a change. That would be nice, wouldn't it? You haven't seen that the last couple with a chance to close out this series and to hear Mitch Marner say absolute nonsense that, you know, we weren't ready to play when you have two chances to win a series and you've done nothing. And yet somehow you weren't ready to play unbelievable stuff uh, that you got to hear nonsense like that garbage, like that, uh, uh, just an absolute losing uh, weak, weak ass mentality to, to, to have that kind of start to the game, uh, the last two games when you have a chance to win a series. This is all about mentality. I think you throw out X's and O's here. It's very, very simple. Toronto's going to win this game. Number one, you need a good start. You need a good first period. You're now going to have 550 fully vaccinated healthcare workers. Most of them will be Leaf fans, the majority, in attendance. You're going to at least have some noise, some crowd environment tonight at Scotiabank Arena, go out there and take the first period and take the play to Montreal, which is the polar opposite of the way things have gone the last two games in this series, where Montreal has been all over you uh, in the first period. That's what you got to do. And number two, it's Eminem. I'm not talking about the rapper. I'm not talking about the candy. I'm talking about Matthews and Marner. That's what I'm talking about, M&M. They need to show up. They need to produce. I, Austin Matthews has given me effort nightly. I know that. His play away from the puck has been terrific. He's been very good defensively. He's winning face-offs. He's getting chances. I can't say the same for Marner. Marner's got to elevate his effort level. It's not good. You can't have that terrible delay game penalty the other night. Those two have to be primary uh, difference makers for the Leafs to win this game tonight. And plus, and the other thing they need is Jack Campbell to be every bit as good as he was in game six. The loss the other night was not Jack Campbell's fault. He was terrific. He was beyond good uh, in that game. He was sensational, in my opinion. Couldn't have asked for more from Jack Campbell. Those three things happen. The Leafs win tonight. If they get off to a strong start, if Matthews and Marner make a difference, make an impact, and if Campbell's great, they win this game. Simple as that. But I can't bet on that, and I'm sure as hell not betting on it at minus 200 or thereabouts. I'm not doing that. Not even close in my mind. What I am going to do is, look, this 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 series would be such a fitting end to see Game 7 go to overtime. We've now seen overtime and back-to-back games. I'm going on the draw here uh, at this plus price here. Uh, that is the bet I'm going to look at. Small bet on the draw here uh, in this game. And I'm also going to bet pregame the third period over. Uh, I'm going to bet it now because it's over one and a half in the third period. At five dimes, you can bet it. DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, our great partnership here with the Hockey Podcast Network, DraftKings. It's another reason to sign up, promo code THPN. There we go. I'm doing it early to remind you, DraftKings has third period totals when it comes to NHL hockey. And you can get over one and a half in that minus 155, minus 160, minus 180 range. So shop around. You actually still might have that be a better price than you'll be able to bet in the second intermission. So it doesn't hurt you to bet the third period over one and a half, you know, prior to the game tonight. So those are the two bets, draw, uh, as well as the third period over for me uh, in this game with the Habs and the Leafs. And one thing I forgot in my rant against the Leafs on the Sunday show, and this this is just such a, this is just such a thing where you look at it and you say, only the Leafs could be part of this kind of history. The Toronto Maple Leafs are the only team in NHL history to erase multiple gold deficits in the third period of back-to-back Stanley Cup playoff games and go on to lose both of those games. They're the first team in NHL history to have that happen to them. The Toronto Maple Leafs, first team in NHL history, back-to-back playoff games. They erase a two-goal or larger third-period deficit only to go on and still lose both games, both games to lose them. Only the Leafs. Only this franchise could find their way to that kind of history. Classic. Classic. Alex, what do you think here? All the marbles. Game seven. 
Yeah, this Leafs team, I mean, they pretty much seem like they're the Cleveland Indians of hockey, just the way that they, you know, consistently choke year after year, uh, have chances to close out and they just can't finish it. Uh, like you said, that's that's an, an astronomically, you know, bad stat for, the you know, the Leafs. Like you said, the, to have that back-to-back games, you come back and tie the game up only to lose in overtime. And, you know, I'm right there with you. I won't be playing the draw because I have a prop of exactly three overtimes in this series at plus 550. We should have already cashed that uh, because game one should have gone to overtime. We had the goal late. But we got back to back, so now I'm hoping to see overtime as well. But I'm, I got a bigger price at stake with here, uh, plus 550. So hoping that cash is hoping you get your draw uh, with that. And I'm also telling you on that third period over. You know, the interesting thing now is we've been seeing with these elimination games. Uh, I know the couple books that I use for live wagering, they haven't even offered a third period over. They'll offer the first period over, you know, total, second period total, third period. They just remove it and just give you a live game number, but it's not adjusted to one and a half like it is pregame. It's adjusted more so to two and a half or even three and a half, depending on high scoring uh, the contest has been. So, you know, you're going to have to jump on it now. You have to lay that, that little bit of juice at 150. I don't mind doing that. Uh, so I'll definitely be on, on that. I could see this being a slow starting game. Uh, and then, you know, we see action in the second, third, and then that takes us into OT. If you do think the Leafs are going to win this contest, uh, I would say go with the first period puck line because, like I said, they have to control early. They have to do that. They have to get on the board first. Uh, so any of those props, either the Leafs to score first or or uh, first period puck line, if you're backing the Leafs, that's the way to go for that. Obviously, if they have to win, uh, obviously you want to take that big plus price, but I'm staying away from any side uh, and even the totals a little bit iffy for me here. So I'm just going to go with the third period over uh, and then hope that you're draw cash. And so I can get my plus 550 for the series with three overtimes. Yeah, this is, this side is just, that's why I'm just only betting the draw when it comes to uh, side bets pregame in this game in terms of the side. And like I said, we were both on the over one and a half in the third period uh, in terms of the question in the chat. Um, why would you lay minus 180 pregame on a third period over when you can wait to bet live three minutes in at a better price? That is true, but I'm not putting the entire third period over bet pregame. I'm putting probably half of it, 60% of it. I think 60% of it is what I'm going to go with it. 60% of my third period over wager is going to be pregame. The other 40% I'll look in game for it. That's the way I'm going about yeah. it. It's not a 100 to zero on the pregame third period over. It's a 60 to 40 percentage split for me. Third period over versus looking to find one second intermission or early in the third live. And that's fair. But like I said, if if, if you have that option to do that, then that, that's more than fair to, to split the, the unit apart. But for some of us, like I said, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm going to be have I'm going to have a full unit on that third period over at 150 because I know my book has been adjusting to where it's basically a two and a half line uh, adjusted with the, within the, the, the full game total live so uh if your book has the third period option in game still then yes wait for the adjusted price but if not then go in and lock in a better price now because uh you know you don't want to get either just completely shot out of it uh you know or having to pay for another goal um let me just say this king key if uh, if the leafs lose he's asking are they a bigger choke artist franchise ever i don't want to say the biggest but one of they're absolutely one of if they if they spit the bit tonight yeah and blow this 3-1 series lead with this talent and with this roster that they have, which is as well-built for a Stanley Cup, or at least a run for it, as any Leaf team in recent memory, this is a epic disaster. This is a cataclysmic failure. This is an epic – this is just a disaster. This is just uh, absolutely catastrophic for this Leaf fa- franchise, for the fan base – Talk radio in and around Toronto is already on fire after letting it get to game seven. And it's going to be 10 times just as hard as can be on this team and this organization if they lose and they spit this bit tonight uh, in game seven. It would be it's going to be ugly. It's going to be extremely ugly. Yeah, they would they would be in territory with the Minnesota Vikings, the Buffalo Bills, the Chicago Cubs of the world if they blow this. I mean, it would be like I said, it would just be absolutely disastrous. And uh, I can't imagine what it would be like in Toronto. Uh, you know, just around in the area. People were, you know, were thinking about when Vancouver lost game seven of the, the finals back in 2011. They, you know, ran out into the streets that, you know, it could be that kind of a chaotic scene, honestly, because this has just been a, a long suffering fan base. And to drop another series in this fashion is, would just be unfathomable. Uh, that's a good point about Philip Deneau. He does deserve credit. His defensive play uh, from that center spot, having a, you know, shadow at Matthews and that line the entire series. He's done a great job. 
He really has. And I wasn't sure he would because, look, Deneau was getting lit up in the regular season by the Matthews line. You know, Deneau didn't have any defensive answers for Matthews during the regular season, and that's what I said going into this series. But, look, playoffs are a different animal. Some players rise up to the occasion in the playoffs and others don't. Deneau has risen to the challenge of having to defend one of the best players in the NHL in this series, and he's done as good of a job as you could ask for against him. And now it's up to Matthews and Marner to elevate. This guy is elevated defensively against you, Deneau, for the Habs. You've got to elevate now. The onus is on you to show up here in this game. No one's going to show up for you. You got to put the boots on. You got to put the hard hat on. You got to put get the lunch pail in your hand. Go up there and work for it. Work for it. Because I didn't see them work for it early in the game the other night. And like I said, as I promised, and as I promised Leafs Nation, I will unleash such hell on this team tomorrow on this show if they lose tonight. You're, it's going to make your head spin. I will run this team right into the ditch if they gag this away once again. You know, it's 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 basically this is basically exercising the demons. That's what's at stake for the Leafs tonight. Exercising the demons of 2013, blowing a 4-1 lead in the third period to the Boston Bruins and losing to, in, in overtime, uh, blowing a lead to the Bruins a couple years ago uh, in the playoffs. You know, blowing it last year uh, the way they did uh, in the postseason. There's just all kinds of bad memories. You know, just not, you know, Columbus failing uh, against the Jackets in the bubble. Go on and on and on about the failures, the disappointments, and, and the early exits for this Leafs team. And again, not one, not one playoff series victory for this team in 17 years. That's on the line tonight. And if this group can't get it done, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. You're not blowing this thing up. You've got too much money tied up in various players. You're not firing the GM because Dubas has actually, I think, put it together a hell, heck of a roster. You know, it's up to them not getting it done. And you're not going to fire Sheldon Keith this early because it's only a couple years. And Sheldon Keith is Kyle Dubas's guy. He has been Sheldon. Sheldon Keith has been Kyle Dubas's coach with the Marlies in the AHL when he was the GM there. He was Sheldon Keith was Kyle Dubas's coach going all the way back to the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds in the Ontario Hockey League. These two guys are, are, are locked at the hip. They're freaking frack, okay? There's going to be no coaching change if they lose tonight. You're stuck. You're stuck as fuck, you know, as I like to say, if you're the Leafs, if you lose tonight. You can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. You can't just have sweeping changes. You're not blowing up the roster. You're probably not getting rid of the GM. You're And if the GM stays, he's not firing the coach because it's his guy. And it's been his guy for going on a decade in various places. So what do you do if you lose tonight? Your hands are tied almost. So that's what makes this worse if they lose tonight because they really have nowhere to go they, in terms of, you know, where's their out? Where's their alternative option if things go south tonight and they lose? It's hard to find it uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. No question about that. Um, all right, that is the uh, Monday card. It should be a great night of hockey. Bruins-Islanders game two. Uh, Toronto-Montreal game seven. What else needs to be said? And that's the other thing. They lose tonight. It's not only with this team, with this group, with these expectations, with everything that's happened in the last 17 years, but it's blowing a 3-1 lead, and it's blowing the lead to a team that you're supposed to be better than, and B, they're your hated rival, the Montreal Canadiens. It would be the worst. This is rock freaking bottom for the Leafs if they blow this thing tonight. But I'm going to give them one chance to prove me wrong and change the narrative. We'll see if they can do it. All right, let's, we'll get to best bets in just a second to wrap up the show. Uh, before we do that, though, a reminder, uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN, uh, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball daily, a uh, great time of year. If you download DraftKings, sign up for the account with the app. Uh, you'll get uh, deposit bonuses, weekly specials, incentives, bet boosts, all of that and more. Uh, make sure you check them out. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, and use the promo code THPN. All right, it is time for best bets for this Monday uh, NHL Stanley Cup playoff card on this Memorial Day. Uh, Alex B. Smith, we'll start with you. What do you like for best bet? I'm going to go with the Islanders, plus 170 is uh, my best bet. I think that's a, a very high price for a team that, uh, you know, was still alive for the majority of that contest. Obviously, the Bruins are playing great hockey, but uh, I think this is going to be the time where we see that very trot system uh, hard at work. They try to clamp things down uh, and slow, slow this, this team up a little bit. So uh, I think this is going to be a, a tight game. Probably could see OT, but I like the Islanders to win. Uh, plus 170 is my best bet tonight. 
All right, New York Islanders plus 170 against the uh, Boston Bruins. Uh, best bet for uh, Alex B. Smith. Uh, my best bet is going to be I'm going to go back to what was best bet for me from this series in game one on Saturday night. Uh, New York Islanders, Boston Bruins over five minus 125. Uh, I like that bet. Uh, it, it, to me, I think this the uh, series is going to work out a little bit differently for the Islanders. Their own goaltending is not going to be quite as good, I think, against Boston. We saw signs of that. Uh, a little bit of trouble defending the Bruins. I think the onus on the Islanders tonight is get a little bit more offense going. And I think the value with this total being where it is, is definitely over when you get a five and look, it's a five because of the Bruins defensive reputation, as well as the Islanders defensive reputation. Uh, but we have seen these two teams offensively outperform their season long offensive numbers. And this total doesn't account for that. Uh, the current form is this: these teams have perked up offensively. I think that continues tonight. Islanders-Bruins over five, minus 125 in game two. Uh, my best bet for tonight. That'll wrap up this edition of the Ice Guys. Thanks to everyone uh, for tuning in and listening. If you're listening on the podcast, a reminder, the Ice Guys is live on YouTube seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeart. You can find the podcast on all those places. And clearly you've been finding us because we're over 12,000 podcast downloads since February when we uh, partnered with the Hockey Podcast Network. And we thank all of you uh, for that. Uh, for Alex B. Smith, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. Happy Memorial Day. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow on Tuesday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.